we got some work to do. This is the Advanced Scout with Tom Offerman and Matt Williamson. The Steelers coming off a tough Sunday night football loss at the hands of the L.A. Chargers now face off against their division rival Cincinnati Bengals round two in the 2021 season. The Bengals coming off of a win after their bye week against the Vegas Raiders last week. Matt, both of these teams have the same number of losses, but you look at the point differential and it kind of tells me that the Bengals on paper look like maybe a little bit better of a team than the Steelers right now. Yeah, I mean, I think you can make the the argument that Cincinnati might be the best team in the division right now, which that's a hard thing to narrow down, and the whole well, conference is crazy. Point too, differential is at the top of the division. It is. Right it's now, number one in the, in the north. Um, I don't want to minimize what they did against the Raiders because it was very impressive, and they took the game over in the second half. The defense was dominant. The Mixon just you know closed them out exactly how you want in sort of a Steelers script-like manner, the way the Steelers want to play. But since, I think the Raiders are, frankly, in a really bad spot and we're oh, a very yeah. vulnerable They're opponent. They're in a tailspin. Yeah. And before Cincinnati's bye the week before, the Bengals had lost two in a row. So not quite exactly sure where they're at, but they are, they've come a long way as an organization. In that win against the Raiders, it was the first time in Burrow's career when he started for them that they had more rushing yards than air yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So impressive win, dominating on the ground for them against the Raiders. Now they turn the page and face off against the Steelers. Uh, I'd like to start these programs off with a little series history. Uh, the overall series is in the favor of the Steelers overwhelmingly, 67-37. to 37. The two playoff meetings in 2006 and 2016, as I'm sure we're all very well aware of, went in the Steelers' favor. The Steelers, though, dropped the last two to these guys. Yeah, Came right, right. Ryan Finley game on Monday Night Football last year, and then Joe Burrow got the better of them at Heinz Field in Week 3 this season, so... Although the Bengals have only won 11 of the past 45 matchups. 11 of 45. And the Steelers have won 11 straight until that Finley game. The tide might be starting to turn a bit here in the Bengals' uh, favor. I, I think so. And a lot of it to me, and I know we're going to focus on him tonight, is Joe Burrow. I, I, He's such a difference maker. Such a difference maker. First overall pick. And I really think even this early in his career, he has become the face of the franchise I'm not minimizing Zach Taylor at all, but he really seemed like he was in over his head early in his career, and then they get the quarterback, and things start to fall yeah. into place. It's funny how and, that works out sometimes. Right, right. And I just think his leadership, Burroughs, more so than the coach, is really impressive. And I bet if you ask Burrow what the series is at, he's probably like 2-1 in my favor. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. That's all he really That's cares all that matters, about. right. He's coming out ahead at least early on in his Steelers matchups. Let's look at Burrow and that Cincy offense. Uh, one stat that was really interesting to me, Matt, is the offense is 28th in the league as far as snaps per game is concerned. They average about 61 snaps yep. on offense. So it's low. not good. No, no, no. But they generate .439 points every snap, which puts them in a class with Buffalo, Tampa, and Indy, who seems a little off there, but Indy's one of the hottest teams in football. They've, right they've now. been flying lately, right? So it's amazing to me that they snap the ball shockingly a low amount, but yet they're one of the more efficient offenses in football at putting points on the exactly. board. Exactly. They're highly efficient. And a lot of that stems from big plays. And a lot of that stems from the first round pick. In Burroughs' former uh, call, you know, teammate at LSU. They immediately hit the ground running in the regular oh, yeah. season. You know, Fourteen was, touchdowns outside of the red zone, most in the NFL by the Bengals. That's where it all comes from, you know. So they're not grinding out long drives, although they did last week, or eating up a ton of clock, or running a super high volume of plays. 
but they're striking from all areas of the field. And they have a good set of weapons. I mean, Azuma's a good tight end. I think everyone's familiar with Boyd. Higgins is a quality player that starts for any team in the league and would be a lot of teams number one. But Chase is special. I mean, he's Super great. special. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable after the catch. Explosive, powerful, run-through man coverage. And, you know, Burrow's been very efficient himself. You know, it's incredible. They've scored so many of those touchdowns outside of the red zone, the most of any team in the NFL. But they're also incredibly efficient in the red zone. In the red zone, they right. They score right. a touchdown 69% of the time that they have the ball in the red zone. You look back at that Steelers meeting in week three, they scored twice in the red zone. Yeah. Now, granted, yeah. they got the ball in the red zone because of an interception the Steelers threw. Still, but, you but still they take advantage of those things. Right, right. So two touchdowns against the Steelers do have the uh, fourth best red zone defense they in the NFL. So something's got to give here mm-hmm. in this game. Um, hopefully it gives in the favor of the Steelers. But they score from outside the red zone on the home run plays, and when they get down into that red zone, they more often than not put that thing into the end zone. Yeah, which, again, I think really reflects well on Burrow. It also reflects on, you know, some of these high-powered offenses aren't super balanced. And I'm not saying the Bengals are high-powered offense. I don't know if we're ready to put them in that category yet. But yet, but I think it's They're coming. heading that way. Yeah. You know, maybe one more offensive lineman in the offseason, whatever. That's probably the thing holding them back, right, is the protection's yeah. still out there. They give up two-and-a-half sacks per game still. Yeah, absolutely. And it's mostly up the middle. Their guard-center situation's not ideal. And, again, another feather in Burroughs' cap. I think he's – masked average offensive line or you know below average offensive line play with his ability to process get it out accuracy timing all those things but where I was going was they can kind of beat you anywhere you want you know that they have a good running game yeah they have a good passing game they're explosive they can hit the short one they get the long one so it's hard to take things away from them the personnel grouping that they like to operate out of the most is 11 personnel. That's 71% of the time. Uh, but their 12 personnel usage is increasing. It's still below league mm-hmm. average, but they're using it more. It's kind of a tip of the hand, though, when they're in 12. Because 70% of the snaps that come out of 12 personnel for the Bengals, it goes on the ground it as a run play. So you see those two tight ends out there, you might have a little hint in your in your mind. Yeah. yeah they're going to run this football. And they use it in short yardage and predictable stuff, third and ones and things like that. Um, but I think that's interesting because – Zach Taylor came over from the Rams, and at that time when McVay was the hottest thing in the world with the Rams, and it was the Todd Gurley golf years and Super Bowl years for the Rams, they lived in 11 personnel. And whenever he got to the Bengals, his first two years in the league, they'd been number one in 11 personnel usage, and they really had a very, very high percentage of one back, one tight end, and that tight end was basically a blocker, and three good receivers. Mm -hmm. This year, they've at least changed it a little bit. You know, they're bringing a second tight end on the field. You know, Azoma's a decent receiver, Sample's a true blocker, even though that their three receivers are better than they've ever been. So they're a little harder to game plan against. Well, we'll get to those receivers in a little bit here. We'll also get to Joe Mixon. But first, touching on Joe Burrow, 68.3 completion percentage this year. That puts him in the class with the likes of Kyler Murray, Mac Jones, and Dak Prescott. Mac Jones being in that class, too. I mean, for a rookie to complete those kind of passes is incredible. Uh, he also averages, Joe Burrow does, 8.4 yards per pass attempt. That's second only behind Kyler Murray in the NFL. 21 touchdowns, has thrown 11 interceptions, but like those 8.4 yards per pass would indicate he's slinging the ball down the field a lot. Yeah, and that's the thing. Putting in risky areas. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of times, Drew Brees at the end of his career, super high completion rate, but not a very high depth Six of yards down the field. Right, yeah. exactly. He's at the top of both, which really shows – Special, it's hard man. to do, man. Tim and Kyler are the only two that are at the top of both. 
Now, in the first outing, when Joe Burrow beat the Steelers at Heinz Field, he only threw the ball for 172 yards. But I think the key difference there than the usual uh, games the Bengals play was they kept him off the ground. The Steelers only had one sack in that game yeah. against him. Now, they were missing T.J. Watt in that football game. Knock on wood, he's back for this football game against the Watt The Watt factor's huge. It's humongous. It's but humongous. But, yeah. When they give up two and a half sacks per game and you only got him down once. Absolutely. I mean, like you said, credit for Burrow. He masks a lot of that. I'm sure there was a sure. lot. Of, I'm sure there was a lot of pressures that the Steelers got in that game that Burrow was able to get himself out of. And he moves better than people think too. And he recognizes where pressure comes from, way above his you know his age would indicate. I mean, you don't listen to this podcast to say that T.J. Watt's important, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I think we can figure that one he out. Helps. Well, he helps. Yeah, he, he helps out just just a, a bit. Um, it's fair to say, though, I think, with Burrow's good play, the amazing wide receivers that they have, I think Uzama's a really good tight end, yeah, too. Yeah, he is. Best version of the offense, I think, is when that goes through Joe Mixon. I mean, he right. ran for 90 yards against the Steelers in the first game. Uh, he's found the end zone in seven straight games this year. He has nine rushing touchdowns total on the year, just a tick under 800 yards total on the season for himself. Uh, I mean, he's the guy that I think really powered them to the win against the yeah. Steelers the last time, and Last week, he ran for 123 yards against the Raiders. 2.4 yards per carry the first half, but he exploded for 5.1 in the second half. So they keep committing to him throughout the football game. Without question. And it pays dividends, and it has. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's at least paid dividends in the, in the form of seven points the last seven weeks. Yeah, oh, absolutely. As talented as just about as any back in the league. I agree. I mean, we know why he fell in the draft way back when, and, and that's ancient history. Um, he's yeah, he a really good— off-the-field issues. Yeah, and by all accounts, now, yeah. he's a model citizen, and, you know, he's— immensely I mean he's physical he's fast he's balanced he's a very good receiver they could probably even use him more in that capacity I mean Gio Bernard used to catch into his pass catching a little bit you know and he he, he probably even has a higher ceiling that way in a way I hope Najee Harris turns into Mixon you know I mean Mixon's really hitting his stride and it may be even better who's to say but I found that stat interesting about his yards per carry against the Raiders in the first half versus the second half, and everybody complaining, you know, Steelers got away from Harris against the Chargers because they couldn't have that luxury. I yeah, mean, that's right. the beauty of sticking with it. You know, I don't blame the Steelers for that. The Steelers give up 4.1 on average per game, 10 or more yard runs on the ground. Too many. It's one of the most in the NFL as far as averages are concerned. Yeah. They give up 126.6 yards on the ground per game. So if it's getting worse angles, lately, right, yeah. I'm looking at that and saying it's a healthy it's dose of Joe Mixon Without in question. football game. Without question. But you can't ignore the receiving core either. The last thing we want to touch on with the offense, and Boyd and Higgins, really quality receivers. They we, are. We mentioned the tight end Uzama, too, can make some big plays, but – Jamar Chase has separated himself, not just from the field in that receiving room in Cincinnati. Right. In the NFL, he's up there with a whole oh, different yeah. class of receiver. He could get to 1,000 yards after this game. It would be wow. like a 140-yard performance, so it would be a, a possible performance. But it's very possible for right. him, especially with all the big play home runs he hits. Exactly. Eight touchdowns already on the season for him. Uh, Outstanding player. I think he's the rookie of the year. I think it's going to go to Mac Jones because quarterbacks yeah. get the benefit of the doubt all the time. The Patriots keep winning. Right. You're but, right. my God, Jamar Chase, what you said, it's accelerating the offense to being a juggernaut status with him yeah. just uh, bursting onto the scene this year. I mean, there's so much to talk about just with him, but I think the best way to show how great he is is look at Justin Jefferson in Minnesota, who could have been rookie of the year last year. He's even better this year. He's been unbelievable for the last two weeks, and the Steelers will see him down the line. Yay. Well, Chase was 
noticeably better than him at LSU when he was 19. Yeah, and then he took a week, a year off. The and he, fact that LSU had those two monsters and, and Burrow was the one throwing right. him the football. No, quite, no wonder they won 14 games. Yeah, absolutely. And won the it's unbelievable. That year. Yeah. But uh, he's a special, a special, special talent at receiver. But and we saw what he did to Steelers the first time around. I think, and I'm not taking anything away from Chase here. I think you, you drop him on any team in the NFL that yeah. has somewhat decent quarterback play or better, he's going to put up some gaudy numbers out of the gate. Yeah. But I think he does get a lot of help from. There's dudes around him. Boyd, oh, yeah. you can't ignore Boyd. You can't ignore Higgins, and that they means overroll. you can't just totally take out Chase and just say, "Well, sure. let the other two beat us," because the other two can very well beat you. No, oh, without question. You know, Boyd's very consistent. He's tough. I, I mean, he's a Pittsburgh guy. You know, right. I mean, a Pitt guy. Um, Higgins is a high quality player. I mean, Higgins is on the same. Um, I mean, second year receiver who's. Uh, basically as good as just about any of them uh, in their second year. I mean, this young receiving core is very enviable. Flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, I think it's fair to say that this is a defense that's a little bit ahead of schedule as far as people would think they were going to be at this year in 2021, Uh, especially that rush defense. Only 98 yards per game allowed on the ground. Only Tampa, Baltimore, New Orleans, and Tennessee is a more stout unit against the run in the NFL. And teams, Matt, they don't even choose to run the ball against the, the Bengals. No, they really haven't. They only see a run 36% of the snaps that their opponents run. Uh, only three other defenses in the league see a lesser clip of run plays. Yeah, so, I mean, if you come out, it's totally opposite of the conversation we had a week ago with the Steelers. You know, it was just the last two weeks, the Steelers have played the two worst run defenses in the league. And you would think, run, 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 run. And – Every opponent the Bengals face is doing the opposite. You know, <laughs> right. you know, they'll, they'll play with some heavier personnel. Uh, they have a, a deep defensive tackle rotation led by DJ Reader, who's kind of a nose type. We've seen those type of guys give Kendrick Green fits already. Um, Bengals are kind of known as a cheap organization. They don't want to spend their money. Right. Two off seasons ago, they went out and spent some money on defense in that COVID year, and all the guys got hurt. And then this year they go add Mike Hilton and Hendrickson, who's a big one, yeah. Yeah, and so they've spent a lot of money on their defense, and it's starting to really show up. Well, as far as forcing turnovers are concerned, they're kind of right around the Steelers in terms of total turnovers forced. Uh, I think they have about two or three more. Uh, But they've doubled up the Steelers in interceptions. The Steelers only have four. The Bengals have eight INTs. So they're not turning the ball over at an amazing amount. No, they're both around league average. But But eight interceptions is pretty good for a secondary. I mean, it's not Patriots good, who, by the way, have like 18 interceptions. It's It's insane what Belichick's – and he got rid of Gilmore. Right without the defensive player of the year from two years ago. But anyway, eight's pretty good, and I think the secondary is really where you see the talented players in this defense. I think they're talented all over the place, but I think, you know, Vaughn Bell, Jesse Bates, I think those safeties really can carry the water for this defense. Absolutely. They're using Hilton properly as a slot corner. That's a great point, yeah. The outside guys are pretty good as well. Um, I would say Bates is one of the best safeties in the league that no one ever talks about. You know, like – I would take Minka over him, sure, but he plays the deep middle like a Minka, and there aren't many in that class in the whole league. He's a playmaker. He never leaves the field. I mean, he's a great one. One thing that they were absolutely abysmal at last year, uh, and they were pretty bad at a lot of things on the defensive side of the ball, but Mm -hmm. they could not get pressure on the quarterback. This year's a whole different story. They averaged two and a half sacks per game, and you mentioned him, the new free agent acquisition, Trey Hendrickson from the Saints. 
Nine and a half sacks already this year for the Bengals, so he's paying dividends. Uh, Sam Hubbard has the silver medal in that category as he has six sacks on the season. So yeah. those, those two are getting the job done as far as getting the they pressure are. on the QB. And I was a little shocked. I was a big Lawson fan who went to the Jets, and I thought right. I might rather have Lawson than Hendrickson, and who was really productive for the Saints last year. I think I remember well, talking about up. him in week three, and you were like, you yeah, know, right, good right. player for the Saints, but maybe that was his best year. Well, I don't think I was right. I don't know. He looks <laughs> right. better this year, yeah. He just keeps producing. He's kind of an unorthodox pass rusher. He's not the best athlete in the world. Um, doesn't Isn't the kind of guy you draw up, and he doesn't look like Miles Garrett, or he's not as – you know, athletic as Watt or some of these guys, but boy, he's got a knack for it. And Hubbard is similar too. Both those guys are size or physical, and they just extended Hubbard, so they love him. One last guy I wanted to touch on before we get to the key matchups here, uh, and it's in the linebacking core. Logan Wilson, I think, is having like a him, really yeah. good year. Uh, I think it was a couple years out of Wyoming now. Um, yeah. Or maybe just a year. But he, he's one that had two picks against the Steelers in week three. People remember him there. Picked you know? in the third round uh, of the draft. Four interceptions total on the year. Like you said, he had two picks against the Steelers earlier this year. Leads the team in tackles. He has a sack. He's got some tackles for losses, some more passes defended. It looks like they have a playmaker at that linebacker spot yeah. or someone that will develop into that in a couple of years. He's here. very quickly developing into that. He's a good athlete. He does everything well, coverage, run. And really, I mean, I'm not taking a shot at the Bengals, but their linebacking core, at least since perfect and maybe longer, has been one of the worst units <laughs> at any position in the whole league. And it isn't anymore. First key matchup I want to take a look at, Bengals left tackle Jonah Williams versus Steelers linebacker Alex Highsmith. Highsmith only had one and a half sack entering the Chargers game on Sunday night. He matched his season total in that game, though, bringing it to three this year. Still want a lot more from the second-year man out of Charlotte if you're the Steelers. If TJ Watt is sidelined again in this game, though, that's a lot on his plate once again back-to-back sure. -back weeks. And I don't know how easy it is for him, Alex Highsmith, to really – you know, fight off the double teams when there's no threat of a T.J. Watt on the other side. Sure. I mean, he's more Robin than Batman at this point, Absolutely. for sure. And what's interesting to me is I think the Steelers quickly realized that Highsmith against Rashawn Slater on Sunday night was not going to favor the Steelers. So with Watt out of the lineup, they put Highsmith a lot more against the right tackle, who's a far less player for <laughs> L.A., yes. to say the least, to be kind. And I wonder if they'll try that again Williams, to me, isn't quite Slater's level, but he's one of the best young left tackles in the league, and he's clearly their best offensive lineman. So either he'll probably get Williams a lot one-on-one -on -one without help, and everyone's helping Watt on the other side, or maybe Highsmith will go back to that left outside linebacker against Riley Reef and see if he can produce like he did against the Chargers. So I think that whole situation is interesting. And finally, Steelers offensive uh, – or, sorry, Steelers center Kendrick Green versus Bengals defensive tackles. And we say defensive tackles because, like you mentioned earlier, they go four deep at that defensive tackle spot. It's mm -hmm. a really good rotation where the production does not really drop off with the different bodies they put in. No. And that's extra dangerous when you keep the production up because that means it's going to be fresh production late in the football game. So You're right. Green's had a tough go of it here in the past couple of weeks, and I don't think it gets any easier against Cincy's front. No, and the name I mentioned earlier is DJ Reader. He's the most nose-tackle-ish of the group, and he kind of has a Hargrave feel to him where he can also really push the pocket, get upfield, thick blower body and those guys have given green fits you know green to me has done a really nice job blocking in space and running and getting downfield but when you line a nose head up on them they're pushing them backwards and it's been a problem 
Steelers try to get revenge on the Cincinnati Bengals Sunday at Cincinnati. One o'clock kickoff there. For Matt Williamson, I am Tom Opperman. Always appreciate you guys giving us a listen, and we'll be back again with another edition of the Advanced Scout next week.